welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Gene. And V, we interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they want us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Jake Strick. Hey! Whoa! Hey there, it's me, Jake, Jacob Strick, Jacob Aaron Strick. Aaron, because that was Elvis's middle name. Jacob, because it's short for Jake Gitz from Chinatown and the two Jakes, which I've never seen. And Strick, wow, because amazing. that's just the moniker I was saddled with. And it's not strict with a T, it's S with a trick. This is great. I love it. I like this intro. Jake, tell us who you are and what you do. Well, um, I'm a writer, <laughs> which is what I, what I tell everyone, including myself. But I'm also, I have many other interests. For instance, I went to school uh, as an audio engineer, a director, an editor. I have uh, worked in music. I like this radio <laughs> voice you're doing. In live action. And um, currently in animation. I started out in animation I moved away from it. I came back. I'm really happy to be here. And I'm happy to be here on the show with you, Gene. Wow. Uh, I love that. Yeah, you <laughs> you do a whole lot, um, a lot of different things. You're extremely knowledgeable about uh, a lot of different, uh, what would I say? A ja lot of different things. Jake of all trades. And you know what? Jake of all trades. It's, it's, been, it's been a blessing uh. and a curse, which I'm excited to talk about on this podcast. I would love that. Tell us um, your earliest sort of forays into the creative fields. Where did you kind of get your start as a kid? Uh, pretty much right out of the gate. Um, my parents uh, were very supportive of anything that me and my younger brother Sam wanted to do. And I saw my dad and I wanted to emulate him a bit. He was a musician. He was a writer. He had come to Los Angeles from New York uh, because he had sold a script while he was working in the insurance industry. Um, so I, I followed suit. I kind of made up stories that I would dictate to him. He would write them out in an early version of Final That's Draft. Uh, yeah, he would. He would. Uh, like this is. I, I'm like learned slugging and you know all sorts of things just when I was. Well, I'll explain slugging. Oh, uh, when when a scene is introduced in a script, mm. you not only know where it is, but whether you're inside or outside, day or night, or anything else that right. you would need to know when setting the scene. Okay. Yeah, explain it for those of us that don't know as I look around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not something you see always in animation, but uh, it's definitely something you yeah. see in a screenplay for sure. Mm. Because, it, it, you know, when you're breaking down a script, you kind of need to know mm. when you that need to true. be at a location or what you should make it look like. Uh, um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, a, screen, okay. a screenplay, it's like a recipe. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so you were writing pretty early on, then. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in so much that you know, you're writing like, <laughs> I remember when the game Prince of Persia uh, came out. Um, what was it? I was playing it, um, and uh, see, we were invading Iraq the first time, and I was writing a story oh, that was like, I like, I consciously like knew that Persia was <laughs> was Iran. And somehow it all got mixed together, and I, I wrote fan fiction for Prince of Persia. Um, wow. And, and, yeah, that was, like, in second grade. Prince of Persia. <laughs> I know, right? Um, of all things. Yeah. You know, I, I, but, I, you know, I was, like, a normal kid. I, uh, you know, I was drawing, like, Piccolo mm -hmm. and Vegeta. And, um, yes. And, and I, I just loved reading. I, would, I, would, I, I basically 
didn't mm-hmm. interact with a lot of people. Instead, I would like find a corner and just read books. You know, like the Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings trilogy um, was like one long summer it was just like out in the sand just baking there and this is before the movies were announced and i was just like i was just a nerd yeah and um my brother was definitely he was drawing more he was sculpting more and i kind of just i was like you know i'm the writer around here i'm just going to focus on writing but you know i took art classes too so mm-hmm. it's like i had an easier time conceiving ideas than I could execute with my hands. At the same time, I was writing music on the piano because we had a baby grand that we inherited from my great-grandmother, Roz. Mm -hmm. She was a piano teacher. So that came out from New York, too. So I was on the piano. I was writing music. I was writing stories. Uh, I was like, oh, I want to make comic books. But, you know, it's just like I don't know anyone else who's doing this stuff. And one day, one day, um, one day, it was the year 2001, and it was, uh, I want to say, a couple days. Oh. It was like the weekend after 9-11, um, and this girl appears in my house, and it's Zoe. I've never met her before, or at least not formally. I've seen mm-hmm. her before. I've, um, I've gone to a local production <laughs> of the JCC. Uh, they were doing Guys and Dolls, and she was in it. She was on stage. I didn't know her then. <laughs> um, and here she is in the house and we immediately hit it off actually we don't immediately hit it off because i i say to her as she's, she's there um the deadline for this student film festival is over in an hour i just need to upload this file can you wait uh-huh. can you wait like a minute and then i'll be with you and so she hangs out with my brother and there's like a whole alternate universe where they become best friends <laughs> that's amazing but then, but then the hour's up, and I go downstairs, <laughs> and I'm like, "Hi, I'm Jacob. It's so nice to meet you." Um, and you know, she blew my mind. Like she was Aww. drawing the weirdest, coolest stuff. And the reason we met is because our mutual friend decided we were both weird, <laughs> and we had That's the best so kind cool. of meeting. We had to meet each other, and and. They were they were right, and um, she was just like I've never mm-hmm. seen anyone who like like joked around, thought the way she does, and just uh, dresses mm-hmm. a certain way, and she's just like this is the coolest person I've ever met in my life. And she asked me, yeah. "Hey, um, I'm doing a comic book. Do you want to mm-hmm. be my writer?" And I'm like, "Yes, I do." At the same time, also I was making a website with my brother <laughs> called PenguinBros.com. So I was I definitely had some creative outlets. Um, we he would uh, program flash games. Remember those? Um, oh yeah. I, I would write songs in GarageBand. Uh, we even ran a few interviews on the site. Uh, this is Web 1.0, but uh, I, mm-hmm. I, like I interviewed uh, the creators of Homestar Runner just because I thought it was neat. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Uh, if you go on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. Penguin Bros is a citation. Uh, because wow. because we we actually learned something about uh, Missy Palmer's relationship with the Chapmans, but uh, anyway, that's a side note. Point is, mm-hmm. I was always I was interested in art and artists and web comics. I I went to Comic Con starting in two thousand and uh, one, so it was just like okay, I was on that path, but I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to focus it. I had a a comic I was obsessed with, by the way, called Little Gloomy. It was uh, published by SLG by Landry Walker and Eric Jones. And they're, they're still making comics together. But uh, this was a big break for them because they were getting published in uh, something called Disney Adventures. And oh, I man, became... I Disney Adventures. Oh, my God. It was so great. 
um, that Nickelodeon magazine had the best comics. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really appreciate that in um, in retrospect because it introduced me into a lot of great people. But th- I got to meet them at Comic-Con. And I was like, I am your biggest fans. And, and the first thing, Landry's like, do not get in comics. Do not become a writer. Yeah. <laughs> he had been doing it f- for, like, a decade. Yeah. He had been doing a... This is something that I also heard when I went to a convention and I was like, I want to make comics too. And the artist was like, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Stop kid. Yeah. Hide. yeah. And, and, um, and he would still say that to this day, even though, you know, he's worked for majors and, and he's created, you know, original works, but it's just like, yeah. it is struggle. It is. It, yeah. and, 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 it's not what it looks like from the outsides. And there's like a couple celebrities that completely skew mm-hmm. what it's like to be a, a creator. You know, it just yeah. like, that dominate the yeah. narrative. Of course I didn't listen. You know, I'm yeah. like, oh, I can do it. You know, I had this crazy confidence uh, that had yeah. not been beaten out of me yet. So um, Zoe and I, we were working on a comic book called Monkey Voodoo Doll. Uh, we did create one issue in full. Uh, I have a whole arc planned if we ever come back to it. I think oh, wow. it would be fun. It was sort of a mix between Alice in Wonderland and <laughs> A Clockwork Orange. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, look, uh, I, I I was in a phase where I wanted to say something about, like, this is how I think the afterlife is. Um, sure, sure, sure. And I wanted to tell this big story about uh, bodies and souls and monkeys and a battle for like supremacy. <laughs> you know, um, I'm sure that was in the stew uh, a little bit. Uh, Monkey Bone, yeah. the film we love to hate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how it feels, huh? It's not very good, but it uh-huh. has good ideas. And And you know what? Sometimes from those good ideas inspiration is born you know you never know absolutely the person who saw monkey bone goes on to create the cure for the atom bomb or something um you never know know. so okay so uh making penguin bros i'm doing comics with zoe uh (laughs) she starts doing animations in in flash as well i'm i'm helping out with that two years go by we start dating two years go by i leave for college Mm. where's college for you i go to vassar back east Mm-hmm. I apply to six colleges. I get into all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, awesome! That's really cool. I, I decide I want to get away from home. I want to I want to like strike out for myself a little bit. It's probably the longest period of time where I'm like away from my family oh. and friends. So I'm so I'm in Poughkeepsie, mm-hmm. New York, which is you know mm-hmm. up the Hudson. Zoe mm-hmm. uh, a year later applies to one school and gets in. It's called CalArts, but she gets in for experimental mm-hmm. animation. Never heard of it. Well, she's not in the character program, That's though she really does cool. take character classes. And so, she, yeah, she is really interested in stop motion. Mm. Um, and is she an experimental? Yes, all, no. the, all, oh, okay. the, all the way through. So butler okay. building, the butt hut. Um, <laughs> I am... The butt hut. Yeah. I, I am basically, I'm focusing on getting an English minor um, because yeah. I'm like, yeah. I will mm-hmm. be a writer, so I should be learning english because my because i i have a baby brain and i don't know what words mean uh but by that i mean it's like we have been set up for all our lives where it's like you're going to college you're getting that degree and then you can get a job you know you you have a piece of paper it says you're smart and boy we were told did i get smart it was liberal college no more than two thousand people 
great professors, small classes, very intellectual. You know, it was just I was having a good time. You know, I was I was taking history courses. I was taking classics courses, which is mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. Greek history. Um, just a lot of just a lot of analytical writing, huge essays. I'm staying up all night. I'm writing. I'm having a great a great time. I write a, a thesis on um, not icing the body electric, but uh, leads of grass. Okay, so uh, Walt Whitman. I'm doing. I'm 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 thinking about his spirituality mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I'm thinking about my spirituality. English language, feel connected <laughs> to the universe, you know, um, and Damn. and uh, then the stock market crashes. Oh, no. So if, then it all came crashing down. No joke. So if you graduated last year in two, 2000, 2000, 2020. Yes. Oh. 2000, 2000. And, and, and yeah. I, I think. We're not there yet. To, sorry. To some extent this year, but definitely last yes. year when everyone was caught off guard. And I'm just going to jump ahead. So I was working then, and all the interns in the company were let go at the same time because they didn't have a plan for them. Man, they, fuck. And I was just thinking, well, yeah. A, that's the roughest thing that could happen to somebody coming out of school. Yeah. And mm-hmm. B, it's worse now because you could actually die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but in my day... What happened was there was a global financial crash. Mm-hmm. During school, I interned at Nickelodeon on Tack and the Power of Juju. I was sort of an all-around production intern, but I was embedded with the writers because they knew I was interested in writing. Later, yeah. I became a on-set PA and then a post-PA on a show mm-hmm. called Sid the Science Kid, which was filmed at the Jim Henson Studios. And I say oh, filmed cool. because it was actually done on a soundstage with motion capture with mm-hmm. like the same level of technology as mm-hmm. Avatar. <laughs> it it was it was incredibly funny. Um, and these were like vibrant, creative places to be. However, when I graduated, they stopped looking for people with l- limited experience like myself. They weren't hiring interns. They were only looking for people who had already been working. So. You're saying that, like, when you were interning at Nickelodeon, Jim Henson, and all these studios, it was when you were still attending college? That's correct. Awesome. And how was kind of like, I'm just kind of like going to ask you a couple questions here and there to clarify for the Go audience. ahead. How was the process for you applying for these internships? And how, like, um, was there multiple steps towards getting the internship? Or did you just send an email? How did you find out about them? Kind of how was that process for you? Absolutely. So there are multiple steps. Um, when you are an undergrad, you can apply for these uh, internships. Side note, if you are going to get your MFA, you cannot get these internships. They are not available for people who go back to school, which is deeply unfortunate. Um, but I will say, because I was doing it for credit, and they, you know, they do, they do, or they, you know, they, they want accreditation, um, you have to go through a teacher in my case, that would sponsor you and they would have requirements. To make it a class, I had to keep a diary. I had to read books about Nickelodeon before I started working at Nickelodeon, so I knew the history of the company. Um, Interesting. uh, That's really interesting. Yeah, so it wasn't just a a free ride. It was like I really had to know everything about everything before Mm -hmm. I even got started and have something to say at the end of it about my experience. So that was really – it was really cool. But – and – 
I heard about the Nickelodeon internship from a family friend who just said, hey, there is a Nickelodeon internship. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We were not as online when I was in school. I, I'm probably grandpa to most of you. Um, when I started college, Twitter was less than a year old. Facebook was yeah, a year yeah. old. And YouTube wasn't even like on anyone's minds. No, that yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like time. that's how far back we go. And now so much of this stuff is online. Um, and the only yeah, I, not all of my you know life advice is going to carry over. But I, I will say it was. I think it was less competitive then. I think I think there was really yeah, le- I think so. less information um, would, out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I I would believe that. Yeah. Um, but also, I don't. I don't think there was also much, like, of a path for an intern either, and that it was just yeah. unpaid labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and that when I wanted to get a job, nobody wanted me back either, and it was really, mm-hmm. it was really upsetting because it felt like I had direction and I was ready to like jump in and do something and immediately hit a wall and yeah and it was just rejections everywhere mm. how would you say like how many rejections do you think you got kind of like all of them <laughs> is it every single is one. it more like in the tens or like in the 20s or like i i like i like hearing about that because i think that's it's something that is very true about the industry is that you have to be able to take all the rejections because they're going to happen yeah. no matter what so yeah like i was wondering how like uh kind of how many you got and like how like did it affect you emotionally oh, horribly yeah <laughs> oh yeah uh, um something they don't tell you when you get rejected is that um you don't know why you're getting rejected mm-hmm. yeah and even when they tell you why it's a lie mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. i've heard some really messed up things by the way um, when I've gotten rejected from jobs where it was just like, why are you telling me that? Oh, no. Like what? Can you say what? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say one right now. And um, this is for a writing assistant job um, that a friend tried to get me. And it looked like I got the job at the last second. I didn't. But I was mm-hmm. told that it was like, oh, like a woman got your job, a black person got your job. It was just like this, it was, and I was like, I don't fucking care. Like, why are you telling yeah, me that? It's a weird thing to say. Okay. <laughs> and and so, um, basically, rejections mm-hmm. hurt because they feel like they're your fault. But the mm-hmm. at the end of the day, why somebody gets chosen for a job is really known only to the people who, who have the ability to hire them. That's very true. That is very yeah. true. Um, and, and you may think, you know, who does the hiring in the entertainment industry, chances are you're wrong because, because Mm -hmm. hiring is a conversation between creative people and corporate people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in fact, the entire business of trying to get a job is about confidence, not confidence in yourself entirely but getting someone to believe in you that is very true mm-hmm. because someone taking a chance on you is the most dangerous thing they can do someone taking a chance on somebody they already know or someone they think to be successful that's an mm-hmm. easy job but to find somebody who's like you 
you're not sure. You look at their their resume. You're like looking at them. It's like, if do I hire this person and risk like wasting my yeah. money and time? That's yeah. what's that's what's going through their head. And the best thing you best thing you can do is be cool and just be confident in yourself. Um, something I mm-hmm. used to do mm-hmm. all the time was be truthful. And the worst thing you can do is like you can kneecap yourself and be like, I've never done this before and I don't think I can. Yeah, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. On yeah. the opposite on the opposite side, never say you can do something that you don't want to or don't feel comfortable doing that will bite you in the end. But don't say things that make you sound like you are going to be yeah. a bad candidate either. And and being truthful can be make you sound foolish it can make you sound yeah. like you're not up for the job even though you that's are very true it's kind of a weird balance i i feel like um i mean you you're selling yourself right mm-hmm. um kind and... of oh man <laughs> I, right. I can talk about that well that's well, i think it's good to talk about i don't think we've ever really gone into it i think um i think that like i i always see it as i'm selling myself and um, you have to be a little bit of a greasy car salesman because <laughs> there's going to be competition. Chances are, especially when you're starting out, you're not ready for the job. You don't have experience. And it's like what you were saying, like, you know, the employer is trying to take a chance on you. Um, and so you got to reduce the amount of risk inside their head. Absolutely. And so I fudged every resume. I <laughs> like talked myself up in every interview and um to the point of like bordering on lying you know i don't like to lie but it's when you're when you need a job and you're a nobody you got you have to kind of exaggerate who you are and what you can bring to them yeah i think i mean there's like a lot of interesting things that you say in that uh i will uh kind of elaborate on it a little bit because when i Please, yeah, i yeah. applied for the visa to come over to the us uh, mm-hmm. I had to do that. I had to talk myself up, which is a very hard thing to Similar. do when you come from France, because in France, if you even dare talking yourself up, it's, it's looked, it's, yeah. it's perceived in, it's often perceived like you're arrogant, uh, annoying and that. like yeah. people really don't American. Know. Yeah. They, no, it's really, <laughs> it's really not, uh, appreciated. So it was a really, so it's a really, really hard thing. And I, and I know like sometimes coming from, it depends on like what kind of environment you grew up in, but it, sometimes that can be an obstacle for you and you have to find a way to talk yourself up and, and, and some, and I guess like within the limits of like your, your, uh, values, right? Like, so for me, I had yeah. to be like, all right, how yeah. can I take that experience that I have and, and not lie, but make it look really good. Cause it's really easy to take the same experience and make it look like like belittle the experience or make it look like wow you actually mm-hmm. did a lot like for example you know so yeah. i think there's like something here that's really interesting and it's like how can you take your experience as a person and make it look uh positive and like You're you, embellishing it yeah exactly i definitely ran in the other direction i've always had a hard time talking about myself because I'm afraid that people would see me in a, you know, a light that I wasn't comfortable in, uh, with. You know, if I if I said, you know, um, 
Mm-hmm. My dad's a writer, and it's like, oh, you want to be a writer too? Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. just mm-hmm. a nepotist. Mm-hmm. You know, you're riding off of his coattail. So it's sort of like, I, I always felt like, how do I become my own person? And and it's like I've always had incredible access mm-hmm. to things that other people don't to education. Like I wanted to go to college that wasn't an issue for me like it is for so many others i've never had to struggle when it comes to that but everything else um i was not prepared for and i and i and i am not in my mind you know um riding on anyone's coattails and it's been a incredibly long journey so Uh i I just want to just put this number out i graduated in 09 but i didn't get a job that I was looking for until yeah. two years ago. So that makes it like how many years would you say like, like a decade, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in, in the desert of my life. So let, mm-hmm. let's, let's jump, jump back for a little bit. I, I can't get a job. I'm being rejected. I feel like a loser. My parents are wondering why I can't get a job. I, I kindly explained there's a global, catastrophe and the stock market has dropped and nobody is hiring right now and mm-hmm. it's not that millennials are lazy which is a um, yeah. a thing that really really took off around that time my parents yeah they're lovely and they they were like you need to go on the street and and find a job you need to apply to 100 jobs a day and it's just like i could do that but it's not working too you know um i i'm i'm trying everything i can i end up i kind of end up working for a lot of odd jobs uh a lot of like live action like one day photo mm-hmm. shoots uh two day commercial shoots uh a Gillette ad uh have you ever heard uh I'm your Venus I'm your fire for four- yeah. 14 hours in a no. lo- in a row I'd like to not it's actually that's a happy Sounds... happy memory for me but okay uh, yeah so some music videos and commercial work and and I'm doing web design on the side because I b- had made my own website with my brother. So now I'm designing other people's WordPress blogs. And this is all like, okay, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a little scrappy. I'm finding work. It's not what I thought I was going to be doing. I'm, f- I'm starting to feel good. And, and that <laughs> feeling erodes over time. I start to feel like, wow, I'm stuck doing stuff I don't want to do at all as a freelance as a freelancer i i'm working for family friends which is a nightmare because they don't pay well but they ask everything of you and you can't really talk to them about you know like hey that's kind of not fair and so so i'm just like and then the straw that breaks the camel's back is i end up in a game programming job um where i'm trying to make a game um and that goes so south that um you know, I just I start like at this point, I'm like bleeding yeah. friendships, you know, um, contacts, you know, because it's like the people you're working for, the people, you know, and it's and suddenly it's like, I don't even want to go outside anymore. <laughs> and um, I I get one more. I, I get to be key PA on a Roger Corman film called Attack of the 50 Foot Cheerleader in 3D. Mm. I'm at a low point, but I'm pretty busy at the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting pushed around, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I really want to be a storyteller. Like, I want to write. I don't feel uh-huh. like my English minor helped me at all as a creative writer. It helped me mm-hmm. a lot as a thinker and an analytic writer. And if I wanted to write for 
you know, slate.com, that might have been a possibility, you know. But uh, yeah. I was like, I want to go back to school. I want to learn how to tell stories better. And so I applied to two colleges for um, master's, uh, AFI, oh. USC. I get into both, and I go for USC. So uh, best film school in the world. Three-year program. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I move out of my parents' place to downtown with their help because I've been living at home for a couple of years. Note, every place I have ever lived is, you know, with somebody else's help. <laughs> I have never been, yeah. to this day, I cannot afford to live in L.A. And if I wasn't from L.A., Damn, I, yeah. would, I would have left a long time ago. Uh, I think that's important to hear. I think that's, that's like, very real. I think that um, people who come out here without a plan or without an expectation of, like, how hard it's going to be like it's important to hear that like yeah like you you are an la local you grew up here and even and it's been hard for you i love and people so, who like, come to la i have no problem yeah of course but but you got to be ready for for without a ta- the only people who have the only people who have problem with out-of-towners are people who also came from out of town and are suddenly like i'm from yeah, la yeah. um i think la is one of the most amazing cities in the world but it's also one of the most inaccessible it's not a bad yeah. place to live. I know a lot of mm-hmm. people like to shit on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are good places and bad places, but you got to have a car to know where to drive yeah, you to, to and from. <laughs> That's basically, you know, it's the people. Make the most of it for sure. It's the food and the art. Um, and I, I hope that it stays that way. But the people who work here cannot afford mm-hmm. to work here. It's They tough. can't. Um, and that's true even for me today. It's getting worse, too. It is getting worse. The inequality is worse. There's not enough um, not enough residences being built, and things mm-hmm. are just out of control. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my point My point wasn't keep out. It was, like, be cautious. It's just here's something, you have to yeah, be aware. Here's something. I, I, when I was living at home, I didn't pay rent. When I was going to school, I was being helped because you're going to school. You know, you're going to you, – you need somewhere to live. Uh closer to campus but but after that it's um yeah it's it's i think my parents were hoping well it'll light a fire under him you know if he needs to get a job to live and it's like yeah well i can get the jobs but i'm being paid sub minimum wage it's still not enough no no offense to them it's just like it 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 did get harder and harder and harder as time goes on and um and then after I graduate, you know, um, all the places I wanted to go or wanted to be like had mm-hmm. gotten more expensive or changed. Or, you know, it's just like the world had had accelerated and suddenly and we're the thing like I couldn't intern again. So it's like, OK, now I'm a guy who's been out of school for six years or just graduated from film school, you know. So it's sort of like, OK, I'm starting over. So I have to present myself in a way where I've started over again. And oh, really? um, one of the oh, things yeah. I did in school was study sound. And I tried to mm. make sound a career because everyone needs sound people. Mm-hmm. And I was super smart mm-hmm. about sound. I knew everything. I was teaching the class. Oh, yeah, you, you know. Um, but guess what? I couldn't interview for, for crap. I was crying mm. in interviews because I was so stressed out. I didn't know mm. this, but I had anxiety. Yeah. I had mm-hmm. depression, clearly. I've had depression my whole life, and it has affected everything I've ever done, but I didn't know I had anxiety, too. So um, here's, a, here's a, a tip. 
if you have access to medical care and you can help yourself, depression and anxiety are going to affect the way other people see you. It's not something you can control. You can't control what they see in you, and you can't control the way you feel. These are chemical imbalances, and unfortunately, the world is really unforgiving. I don't think it's fair, and I don't think it's right, but any time you have to choose between someone who's high-maintenance or low-maintenance, it's going to be low-maintenance yeah, every time. That's, so. how it, that's how it goes. That's very true. I It's like I relate to what you're saying because you're talking about depression, and it's something that I also deal with, and it's something that, like, stepping into like positions of leadership like i actually talk with my therapist about that a lot because it's like mm. unfortunately mm. even though i also wish that like mental health would be not stigmatized the way it is it's like you know that you can't afford to present yourself in certain ways when you're like in certain positions and it's really hard <laughs> to balance those out yeah yeah you're, you're, you're not kidding. Literally, literally yeah. can't afford because after I graduate yeah. from USC, yeah. I'm no longer on health care. So guess what? I'm unmedicated and trying to be a normal, balanced person is impossible for me. And, it, yeah. and, and so I just I spiral really bad after after grad school. Um, and, you know, I'm just kind of like I just kind of give up looking for myself. I kind of just focus on my relationship, you know, become sort of like the house husband and, you know, I'm driving Zoe to and from work. I'm cooking meals and doing the laundry. I think that's valuable too. That's great. But it's coming mm-hmm. from a place mm-hmm. of sort of like my loss of self, um, yeah. Yeah. which is yeah. unfortunate because I, I, I'm kind of giving up at, at this point. I just feel like no matter how many times I get a drink at the well, Mm-hmm. All my life experience doesn't matter if I if I can't if I can't make it work and and I can't I can't make it work um, and so I just do stuff with Zoe uh, mm-hmm. we create a web comic called Pizza Day Comics we do conventions uh, conventions are the reason I meet Gene it's the first time yeah. I, I'm at WonderCon we're both exhibiting near each other so Gene and Casey Galactica and we hit it off and you know I start to feel a lot better making comics um, with Zoe. Um, she's, you know, she's working, she's doing these comics on the side, but we only do one a week. Uh, for some reason, we decide to do them mostly the night before, but <laughs> we do them. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually using everything I learned in, in film school to, um, I'm actually laying out the comics uh, for Zoe, and she's drawing mm-hmm. the finals, but almost every comic we did started from a sketch of mine. And I, I, I know I've said it before, there's nothing more nervous mm-hmm. making for me than drawing but that's only mm-hmm. when i'm being asked on the spot <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, 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 and and it's like it's like when you see a, a director like a live action director's storyboards a lot of people are like oh these drawings are bad yeah. it's like no these drawings mm-hmm. are functional yeah you don't need them to be good but people have a weird idea about what a storyboard is supposed to look like because yeah uh, they sure do and i just got a message for all of you storyboard artists who mm-hmm. take late nights to make your boards mm-hmm. look like animation Please retire because you're not making everyone look bad. You're making yeah. producers think that's yeah. the baseline. 
Yeah, but that's also like what's expected of some productions now. I mean, it's because it's like a whole because of these people yeah, who, who have made such effect. a deal of showing off online. And I'm sorry, yeah, it's you're. I'm happy for you that you have created the snappiest, <laughs> most fun animation. But you have ruined animation uh, uh, for for so many people um, <laughs> due to your 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 greed. <laughs> so, but but enough about that. Back to back to back to me. <laughs> um so yeah i just i'm doing all this stuff and and then i decide mm-hmm. you know what i want to do something writing related you know it's i like i'm i, I want to be in a writer's room i think about the first time i interned that was the closest i got i was interning and i got to sit in with the writers and listen and learn things and i'm like i want to do that again because that's a path to a career right yeah. In animation, there aren't a lot of writers' rooms. I don't even know if I was looking at animation. Uh, I felt like I had more contacts in live action because those were the jobs I was doing after college. So I end up interviewing at mm-hmm. uh, was it Scott the great uh, Scott Free Scott Free Productions. Is that mm-hmm. is that right? Ridley Scott's so. production company. So. I end up uh, becoming a writer's PA, mm-hmm. not a writer's assistant. Not a script coordinator or SC, but a writer's PA on a show called Man in the High Castle, which had entered season two. Footnote, I did get help to get in that room. I could not have uh, just called called that. That was, I, I got help there. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying that in full discretion. It's really important to hear because I, I think you're right. I don't think you can really get any other jobs without having some sort of a connection to someone. Yeah. Like, Well, yeah, I, I agree because every job I've ever gotten was because somebody else yeah. uh, got me that interview. And there I mean, are plenty, the of, with me. plenty of interviews that people have gotten me where it went totally sideways. But I'm saying this not because, well, he got help. So, of course, he got the job. Well... Remember the thing I said about confidence? Having somebody to speak mm-hmm. up for you is confidence. And yeah. it helps you when you walk in. It is incredibly hard to get a response, to get FaceTime. Yeah, I don't think confidence is only internal. I think that it, you have to surround yourself with people and circumstances that help you because it's like – Otherwise, like, where are you pulling it from? You know, like, you have to have some kind of foundation for it. So I think that's great to hear. Uh, it's like what you were saying just earlier, too. It's like hiring anyone is a risk. So having someone who's there to vouch for you is it, the, mm-hmm. the only way you can, like, a production kind of does risk management, basically. If I was on the outside, if I knew nothing about the industry and I heard that somebody got a job because they knew somebody, I would be like, they are a fake. <laughs> they they don't deserve to be there. And you know what? I might be right, but I might be wrong too. Yeah, maybe. You know what? That it, that it's not the end all the the conversation, but getting the pieces to fall into place, it has to do with not who you know, but who knows you and is willing yeah. to say that's, that's I respect this person enough to put my neck out mm-hmm. there. And yeah. that's a real thing you have to do. In a in a industry like this one, not because it's cheating, but because it re- it mitigates the risk factor of bringing someone unknown. It's yeah, so important I, to I understand. I think that like, I think that you have a unique perspective, and that like you do have uh, these connections, and you know, like your dad being uh, a screenwriter mm-hmm. and all this stuff, and 
And so I completely understand, you know, for you, like it, you were worried about not having people think that there's nepotism involved or that there is. I can't change that. If someone said it, it was it. true, yeah. I might even agree with them. Look, look at me, you know, like went to the best colleges, got, you know, uh, you know, rent paid, uh, you know, like somebody accused me of like being depressed uh, w- like my depression was unearned. Like I shouldn't be depressed. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's 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 shitty. And this is of a- it was frustrating <laughs> because they were making a point. It was like you've had such a great life, and it's like it's true, bro. No, no, it's true. Yeah, but that's not mm-hmm. what depression is. <laughs> yeah, that's not. And 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 I feel, I just you know it's it's just like if somebody wants to accuse me of that. <laughs> you, you know what it doesn't matter because yeah. uh you don't you only see the results you don't know the what led you there um you don't know That's all I was gonna say. all the pitfalls yeah. and i've had so many things that i am leaving out of this conversation uh, i'm oh, just sure. giving you the hits <laughs> yeah well i just wanted to say like i think that like i've never had a job i don't think i've ever gotten a job that wasn't somebody sticking their neck out for me like I not a single one I've had to fight for everything I've ever been offered and some people you know they can submit a portfolio and they get in or whatever or they have a resume whatever the job is but like I think that's totally normal I think if somebody is going into especially the entertainment business and they have a weird stigma about people getting in because of somebody else like get the fuck out of here like you you everyone is pulling you should you should hope that people are pulling other people up for you know uh when they when they rise up the ranks or whatever because that's like how you pay it forward and <laughs> absolutely that's a that's a really good point i i also think it's just honestly it's just networking it's not yeah it's, being, it's not nepotism it's like those are two different things it's yeah. like networking is all about having to meet people like at conventions or online like uh we, we've kind of touched on networking on previous episodes but i, I do feel like for me the only job that i got without anybody knowing me at the studio was a job that was paid so low that no other professional wanted it. <laughs> wow. That's pretty uh, dirty. I know. It's like the only, well, well that's the, the first gig I got. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes, it, you, but it's like, that's kind of what I'm trying to say is like, if you're going to try to like go for positions that are highly competitive, unfortunately, a part of it the yeah of what you need is also the networking which can happen in so many different ways right it can it can be just like online it can be conventions it can be just like putting out family yeah um putting out zines or comics that are you know eventually someone stumbles upon it like a a director and they're like i love this comic and then they vouch Mm -hmm. for you because they love your art it's like you know that um but at the end of the day i think it would be very unfair to expect out of people who want to get in the industry that they could get in without networking. <laughs> yeah, that's something I've always struggled uh, networking. Uh, having a group of friends that you can kind of all move up together and help each other out mm. is one of the best things you can cultivate. Um, and that's Absolutely. something uh, that because I think I've had to kind of start over so many times i don't i don't feel connected to a lot of people i don't feel like i hmm. I, I have that group uh you know because my, mm-hmm. my story just stretches back 
so far. <laughs> when you feel that way, because I don't feel like that from my perspective, knowing you for as long as I have. Like, mm -hmm. I think... I think you ha you know a lot of people and oh my and god all in oh I know yeah. I know so many people I've met Steven Spielberg twice <laughs> for fun wow you know like Steven like, Spielberg himself I've been in a hot tub with Vince Vaughn and Joaquin Phoenix in Hong Kong 1997 <laughs> but you know what none of that stuff matters if you don't love That's yourself true. that is very true. Yeah. Not, none of that at all. In, even if I was a, yeah. a big braggart about these things. And by the way, I'm not. I'm actually very sensitive no, about, about these experiences because I feel like a fraud all the time. I feel like a fraud, even though from your perspective, I've done some really cool things because yeah. I've staked my personal identity so much on my career. Uh, until I figured out how to separate the two, I have never felt comfortable now w w i've worked in two writers rooms the first one is man of the high castle mm -hmm. and the second one is called jean-claude van johnson or jcvj which was a hilarious comedy i highly recommend it it's on amazon prime but i didn't do any writing and the gamble you make being a writer's pa which by the way is a glorified shopping assistant you basically pick up the food make sure the food is fresh every day and and right. pretend you don't care about writing because it's not on your like list of things to do. You ha yeah. By the way, you have to literally like hide mm -hmm. it because the hierarchy of a writer's room is sacred. Um, <laughs> I didn't do any writing, and I got really miserable, and I quit being a writer's PA because I was like, I actually hate doing this. I don't want to be someone's assistant. Mm -hmm. I want to be writing. So I quit everything, and I had some money saved up from being a PA. Uh, and I wrote for a year. I put everything out online. I, I retweet, reblog. I wrote some scripts. I was happy with the work. And I don't think anybody saw them at all. This is a whole, an entire mm -hmm. year um, where mm -hmm. I'm like, I am just going to be a pure writer. And it was a disaster. Mm -hmm. And I lost all my savings not a disaster creatively but financially and emotionally sure, where, where yeah. it's like wow i don't exist uh in this in this larger space i am i i don't know what to do at this point and so i take a retail job that i had applied for uh. that summer didn't get in and then they needed like a fourth person uh, i end up working at a video game import store in little tokyo which is a great store. It was a great store. Uh, it doesn't exactly exist. Um, it's still a mm -hmm. video game store, but uh, new ownership. Mm -hmm. It's a really good time for me. I'm working only three days a week. I'm writing when I'm mm -hmm. not there. I'm thinking about writing. I'm on my feet, you know, eight to 12 hours or, or whatever. Actually, you know, I've spent a lot more time on my feet on film sets. So this actually feels a little easier. Mm -hmm. And I... I am enjoying my job because, you know, you let if you set me loose, I'm going to put everything into it. And I, I put my heart into this, you know, like dead end retail job because I loved the people. I loved the the games. I got, you know, uh, into, you know, game modding, you know, just that like so cool. soldering, just like electrical mm -hmm. work and and just learning, mm -hmm. learning new stuff. And, you know, um, I. I, I join a writers group that meets uh, uh, at a at Weef Spa, <laughs> uh, so that that was really fascinating, and I got some writing done there. It's very interesting to try to focus 
after you've been in like the bulgogi room and and fried <laughs> and fried but uh but yeah i i'm writing and i'm working and i suddenly realize why wasn't i doing that before it makes so much it's so much more sense uh to be able to like i'm look i'm making less than 300 a week uh, it's mm. but it but working helps me focus when i'm doing nothing i'm just I'm just falling apart. So I have to be doing something. And that yeah. helps me write. That was the best thing that could have happened to me. Yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned that because I actually relate to that a lot. I feel like, kind of like the feelings that you describe of like when you're not working, like it's kind of like you don't really exist. Um, mm-hmm. I, I also find myself to be more productive when I have like a day gig. Uh, if I don't have like anything going on, it's like, um, yeah, I don't know if that's like a hallmark of, depression but i it's very relatable and i also think it like gives you like a better like life uh hygiene to just like have like 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 something to do every day kind of keeps you grounded and then when you come back home you have more brains like you're more free to be creative because you've had that other thing that kind of gave you like a little bit dopamine or serotonin (laughs) absolutely and 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 it separates the whole when you go in and you have to hype yourself up, like you were talking, Gene, and that doesn't yeah. work, how that makes you feel, mm-hmm. it may it may set you back. It may make you not want to do the thing you were saying you want to do because suddenly it's like, well, if I'm not good enough for them, am I really good enough? But suddenly I'm I'm doing a job yeah. which you know requires like very little emotional energy, and then I'm writing, but I'm just writing for myself. I'm not. I can still put it online, but I'm not risking yeah. mm-hmm. everything to do so. It feels more more like, oh, now mm-hmm. I can write, you know, for fun, and 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 and, and it's a great feeling. And I, I um, I work there for a year. I'm I joined Q Bomb, which is a uh, jeans band. I I'm doing things for the mm-hmm. first time in my life for myself, where I, I really feel like, wow, like. I'm taking all my interests and this is awesome. You know what? It's not where I saw myself. It's not where I want to always be, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually like, I have a reason to get up. I get married uh, to Zoe and uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, that was like, I had no job. That was like before, before the uh, retail, you know, it was just like, I had no job. I had no prospects. And oh, yeah. <laughs> when we got to the like for richer or poorer, I'm like crying. Cause I'm like, wow, I am a failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, Zoe, Zoe, and she'll, you know, one day you'll get to talk to her about her career. You know, she's bounced around, but it's always been upward from my point of view. You know, like, like, um, it was not easy to, you know, like, you want to compare yourself, even though we didn't do the same things at all. We were very compatible, but, you know, it's just, you wanted to be like, well, we started <laughs> Pizza Day together you went that way and I went this way. And and it's sort of like, how come, you know, how come I never got my, you know, my start, you know, when, when's my chance? And it's like, it never comes to you. I just want, I just want to say this uh, out loud. (laughs) Nobody is going to pick you up and put you where you belong. Unfortunately, even if you're the most talented person Uh, in the world, and I hope you are, Nobody is going to give you the thing you want. You have to know what it is, and you have to be the one to get it for yourself. And there's and there's no getting around this. I had to figure out 
my depression and my anxiety out before I got a job interview that changed my life. A job interview, which, by the way, I got from a friend, Sam Keston, who was at my wedding. And she knew that I was having trouble looking for a job. And she said, there's a PA opening at Cartoon Network on the show I'm on, Craig of the Creek. And I had the interview. I had several interviews. And I started taking Adderall, generic Adderall, at the same time. And I was the coolest motherfucker. (laughs) I sat down in that room and I'm like, listen, I know Adobe Premiere and Storyboard Pro. You know why? Because I've been making animations with my wife, Zoe, for my whole life. Mm -hmm. I know the workflow. I've never done it professionally. But I have all this experience which may work against me, but by the way, people hate it when you've done a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they think, oh, they're not focused. Oh, I don't know what yeah. this person should be. So I just laid it on the table. I said, listen, mm-hmm. you may look at this and be really confused at the roadmap of my life. <laughs> I'm confused too, but I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to be part of the, the process. Mm. And... And if you give me a chance, I'll show you I can do it. That's really great. Yeah, great. I love that. Whole, like, was, your journey was, like, on multiple levels, right? It wasn't just, like, going to college and, like, having this specific goal. You had to figure your, uh, yourself out. You had to figure out, like, kind of, absolutely like, aim where to go. Like, oh, like, kind of what studio and kind of, like, uh, there was, like, a lot of, like, unknowns that you had to figure out before you could make it work on top of like it being a competitive field yeah i'm leaving out so many interviews so many i i like i always write really long you know like letters you know when they say like Mm -hmm. would you like to include a like an extra thing when you when you apply for a job and you know it's like you never hear back it's the it's the most heartbreaking thing in the world where you're spending hours like trying to I don't know, accomplish something and and get, and to get nothing for it. That's what yeah. it, it feels like. Nothing. Yeah. Well, it all goes somewhere. I I think. I, di- I, I, think I, is... I disagree. I think a lot of it goes into a hole that nobody look. <laughs> that nobody, <laughs> That's not what I mean. That nobody looks at. No, I I I just I'm making. I want to make a point. Um, yeah. Is, is that applying for jobs is so confusing, especially mm. in the entertainment industry. Uh, one of the first things I said is you don't know why you don't get a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times you can be doing all the wrong things and no one will ever tell you because nobody will ever interact with you. I really recommend finding out how it, you know, how job recruitment really works. Have you ever had a job recruiter on this, on this podcast? I don't think so. That's like a really good so. uh, idea. And I think we'll, we'll definitely uh, aim for that. Yeah, someone who comes to mind mm-hmm. is uh, Jesse Juano. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Who's also a writer and who is also mm-hmm. um, that's you a know, great suggestion. She's you know creating things on her own because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you're just trying to get a job doing the thing you want to do and you can't, then suddenly you're not a, you're not writing. And mm-hmm. and and what she's doing is I think what you everyone who needs to be in a creative industry should be doing, which is like. Do yeah. something for yourself. Do you feel like um, yeah. you mentioned earlier that you didn't know why you didn't get like um, 
like a side job and like writing on the on the side uh earlier like you phrase it in the way kind of like that what do you think was kind of like the um, the change in your mindset between like that first kind of like all or nothing mindset and then the like all right let's just kind of like take it one step at a time kind of mindset i think you know <laughs> it's weird i think i just saw a lot of a lot of people who figured it out from my point of view it always it always from from your perspective it, mm-hmm. it, you you see people you know talk about i saw like a a meme going around twitter the other day what were your first x jobs mm-hmm. like first six jobs and it'd be like cashier mowed lawns picked up dog uh, <laughs> shit and then um directing at disney tva as the last one and <laughs> i was just thinking like <laughs> yeah no one's going to write that Mm-hmm. Unless the job ends in some uh, yeah. kind of like success mm-hmm. story, and it's I, I guess it's supposed to be inspiring, but nobody talks about failure because no, it, it's no. A, it looks it looks bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nobody wants to admit that when things didn't work out, and that's a shame because I think it's kind of a bigger part of life than success, unfortunately. I think, yeah, that's very true. I think failure is like something that like needs to be not more talked about, but like we have to understand that failure is like a necessary part of growth. Like, you know, like it's kind of like, I don't know, I always kind of take that analogy. It's like when you're a baby and you're going to learn to walk, you're going to fall down thousand of times before you can actually walk like a grown up. So it's it's pretty much, yeah, that's kind of, that's the same thing for a career, right? Is like, you're going to apply to so many jobs and so many people are, so, so many people are not even going to like reply. So many people are, you don't even know if they're, if they're ever going to like, read I, think, I think 98% <laughs> of the time but, yeah. that's true. And I think uh, everyone yeah. who's listening to this, uh, who is looking to jump in, uh, preparing to fail will make you a stronger person. Yeah. yeah. Not accepting yeah. defeat, not giving into yes. cynicism. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. What I'm talking about is most of what you do is not going to work out, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault. The world is not a mediocrity. It does not pick the most qualified or talented people. They don't rise to the top. Some of the best people I know don't have uh, jobs in the industry they want to be in, and they've gone off and done other things. Some of them are happy. Some of them are not. Your goal is to find happiness in your life, no matter what yep. it is you're doing, and continue doing the thing that makes you happy, even when it's not your career, because if it really does make you happy, t- cutting it out of your life is like cutting mm-hmm. a part of yourself. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I think that's really good. I think I think um, we get a lot of misconceptions. It's like we were saying earlier, we get this, this path drilled into us, which is like, go to college, get jobs, Absolutely. now you are happy. And it's like, I don't think that's valid anymore. I think maybe for some career paths or whatever, but yeah. a lot of it is just kind of flailing around. I definitely and... have a like a mixed answer for that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because I feel I feel similarly. Um, you can follow somebody else's success story and never reach it for yourself. Yeah, you, like learning about how people get into the industry is fascinating, but it's mm-hmm. all it's unique to that person. You have to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why it's like, that's why we try to have like a lot of different people on the podcast. And that's why I, I really like your story too. Is the like, you, it's really important to realize that it's like, uh, 
like every path is different and there's so many different ways of like yeah. getting in the industry. And you know what? And to a lot of people, I am a huge success. And yeah, that, and that's sure. and that's cool. I I mean, it, it you know what? I got a job at Cartoon Network uh in in you know, 2019, you know, after graduating faster in 2009. That's a big deal to me. That's a real mm-hmm. big deal. Yeah, I've been, you know, at the bottom of the ladder for my whole life you know professionally but it is closer it's not you know what it's not even and i it's not even like oh and then i became a writer it's like well no then then everyone started working from home so i can't like i can't network and you know yeah. it's like i, I want to write i want to write in cartoons and it's still that's a different struggle but the fact that i'm in a career as a by the way a digital production assistant um, in the industry, animation, that's a miracle. So I'm taking that as a yeah, win. Yeah, it, re- it is. Yeah, it is a win. Absolutely is a win. I struggle with that a lot. I mean, I think similarly, I think people look at me and feel like it's nothing but success, but it's like they're not paying attention to me. They, they are only seeing the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. And there's months, if not years, where I'm like stagnant and I feel like I can't break through yeah. and I'm stuck at the level that I'm at. And like even, yeah, and the last year was fucking brutal for everybody, I yeah. think. And like so much had to be halted. And um, and yeah, and, and nobody wants to talk about how badly like when they're going through a bad time because you don't want to drag everyone down you don't want to come off like a pity case and so it's like really fucking hard because you get trapped in this this loop of like i feel like shit i need help Mm -hmm. and i don't know how to to break out of it and so yeah i think no matter what level you get to or what people perceive success looks like it's never going to be easy and it's always a roller coaster and it's always going to be like and and honestly, and it's something I talk to like my therapist about, and it's like the up and down where it's like you'll you'll have a career hit and you'll have a good year or maybe even just a good week. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. But there's always going to be, even even the successful people have low points, mm-hmm. and and like really bad. And then especially once you've had a taste of it, then it's pretty it's pretty fucking <laughs> because then you really feel like shit. Well, you've had some experience, Gene. Um, like me, uh, going online, going on Twitter, and posting an image and a and a text that basically says, yeah. "I'm looking for work." And yep. and you know, um, it's not your fault that the algorithm prefer yeah. for per- posts that say, "I just got a an awesome job" to people who are saying, "I'm looking for work." Like some yep. some messages yep. are su- are suppressed, um, and and it makes you again like when you apply for a job and don't hear back, it makes you feel like. Something's wrong with you. Oh yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was a rough. <laughs> it's a it's it really chips away at your ego and stuff. But yeah, yeah the algorithm is bullshit, <laughs> and it also like it favors extremes. And so yeah, I guess that's it's like true. you said. It, it's like you said. It's like either I got a new job and everyone goes wee yay, you know. And, and I'm happy. To, like, I'm happy. Yeah. To congratulate people. I'm happy for them too. Yeah. But the but those are definitely going to be seen. And yes, interact with seen. more. Yeah, it's it's impossible to talk about the realities, the day to day, the low points, yes. because those messages get lost in the noise. And it's not like because I think we all see life through this narrative lens, right? Like you have to present we, a version of events that looks yes, like you know, yes, like there, you're having uh, an okay time, 
And for the most part, I I think I am. But you know, I there's think so. but there's been times where it's highly curated. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think definitely social media has that problem as well. Like, you know, like I think it's fostered by social media, but it's also like in human nature, right? It's like when if someone doesn't tell you that they're not doing okay, you're gonna assume they're doing fine. Like I mm-hmm. I've I've actually heard that from a lot of my friends when one day I would open up to them and be like, Yeah, actually I'm really not doing too hot. And they're like, Really? And it's mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's this thing, it's like you're not, yeah. you're not gonna like because we're you know, we're also just like individuals and it's really hard for a, like an individual to, to be always like connected on that kind of like emotional level with like their peers. So it kind of makes sense that you're like, well, if especially it's kind of like that thing. If it's like, if you're hurting, you're not going to think about how somebody else is hurting too, you know, like uh, you don't yeah. have like the, the, the bandwidth for it. So it, I think there, I think it's kind of embedded in human nature i think it's good to talk about like the hard times though because it does kind of help kind of bond and just understand that yeah it it is part of um it really it really is part of life and like growing and 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 like learning how to be resilient but it's nuts to me that like now in this very wired age that the way that you present yourself like really does matter and it and Mm -hmm. and and so it's like it really behooves you to Mm -hmm. go viral Mm -hmm. yeah um and 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 nothing else now i want to actually change the conversation a little bit away from like (laughs) defeated feelings which are you know which you know um i i felt like you know defined my life for a long time and that was a narrative that i had about myself that that nothing might work out. You know, I, I, I joke, depression is different from anxiety. It's um, anxiety is what if something goes wrong, but mm-hmm. depression is it will never go right. Mm-hmm. It's a, a, like a kind of finality, whereas anxiety trips you up in the moment because you're worrying so much about outcomes. Um, I, at a particularly fragile mm-hmm. point, received some really interesting life advice from zoe which is i i i think i was saying something to her where it's like i just i don't feel like i've accomplished anything that i've wanted to do and i feel like a failure and Mm -hmm. she's like well you got friends and i'm like what is that man (laughs) and she said listen they love you for you yeah and that was like one of the most eye-opening statements because I had forgotten to love myself at all. I was so in hate with myself, <laughs> in loathing with myself, that I, I forgot a really important thing, um, which is, A, you have to be your own biggest supporter. You have yeah. to love yourself. And that's really hard. <laughs> I'm just putting it that out there just in case anyone's listening and they're like, well yeah great like what am i supposed to do with this yeah it's hard it's something to be worked yep. on <laughs> yeah, you know what hard. yeah <laughs> well you know what that that was the i feel like the beginning of r- true success for me was realizing i do have all these friends I d- there are people who really care about me and mm. and i started to care about myself more because mm-hmm. they can't 
help you. Just like no one can get you a job, like like literally right. get you a job. Mm-hmm. No one right. can make you feel better about yourself if you can't. And that's really yes. tough, especially if you're struggling, don't have access to healthcare, to a therapist. Um, that is not something that you're going to probably be able to do yourself. And, 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 I'm, yeah. and I'm sorry to say that because it puts you at an enormous life disadvantage. I will, I will say, though, once you start becoming your best cheerleader, once you're able to always hold on to things that you're, you're happy with and proud of, moments in your life, the fact that I have an incredible relationship with Zoe mm-hmm. is one of the most important things like a lot of people are are like i wish i had what you have i was gonna say yeah i feel like a lot of people can't uh seem to find that significant other for themselves so like that amazing like uh, i mean you guys are best friends obviously but it's just like that Mm -hmm. deep bond is 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 great and it's like like once you start to really yeah like you're able to clearly see those things about yourself and about your relationships but you know it's that's the thing that's going to hopefully keep you afloat um and be able to you know carry on through through the lean times because if you don't have those things for yourself um you don't see a future if you can't if you can't look back and say mm-hmm. i i exist i i have i have been in people's lives i have done something that i'm proud of um uh, you will quickly spiral or you will let, lose sight of everything yeah something i i've started doing over this last year is just like trying to take stock of what's going right mm-hmm. and like the stuff that is good stuff that other people might wish they had yeah. and uh it helps it yeah. helps kind of even if it know. doesn't feel like an accomplishment uh, to yeah. somebody else it is and you have to start seeing it that way mm-hmm. you can't say i'll only be happy when this thing happens yeah to that, oh that's you want to you so want to die unhappy go ahead buddy do that yeah. yeah that's that's a quick recipe and it's honestly it's really good to watch videos of people who are quote unquote successful like talk about that and there's a lot of stories of that where like like my therapist t- turned me on to a video with Moby and Moby was talking about how um he grew up like rich or he grew up poor in a rich area um and so he always had this perception of what it meant to be successful and this and that and like mm-hmm. but never could could never get it and then when he really blew up he just kept chasing this unattainable goal of happiness thinking that it would be material and he like used to dream of living in the apartments overlooking central park and uh, cuz they're like these super expensive apartments oh yeah and um these amazing like five story uh units and so he and he had enough money to buy one of those and he like put all this money into like renovating it and making it this like this perfect home for him and he like stood out on the balcony and looked over central park and still felt so empty wow like nothing was and it's like and after that he kind of stopped chasing that like he realizes like i am never going to be happy if i don't and he now he lives in like a smaller place in like Eagle Rock or something and like <laughs> just kind of makes music. I mean, he has the benefit of having a, you know, financial security and everything. But I, I think the two are intertwined. And I think like when you kind of let go of chasing that ridiculous, like unattainable dream, you find an inner peace a little bit. Yep. And then it's kind of centers you a little more. And then things will usually start to click. And my experience too. It's like the yeah. more you let go. 
Yeah, can I can I say a funny thing about that? Please do. The <laughs> it shouldn't work. It sh- it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But the moment that you stop desiring and caring so hard about like what you want, the closer you get to it. Yeah. It's really it's really remarkable, but it, it's just like once you come to terms, you know, like make peace with, with you know, like reality is random. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it's about luck as much as it is timing, as much as it is talent. It's like mm-hmm. this is these are all dice rolls. Every single every single thing that happens in your life, you know, and it, it's like once you come to terms with that and you're and you're not as desperate to achieve some some idea of success success starts to come to you yeah so yeah it's it's hard to believe but it's true uh and and i agree that financial security is a part of that i Mm -hmm. i i don't think also you could do that without having friends and i don't mean like the kinds of friends that are in an industry but i just mean like you can't go through life alone you need a connection one of the things that really helped me was joining a writing group. I, I actually, after I left that first writing group, I joined another writing group uh, with uh, Kira Presley. And mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh my God, there's all these other people just like me. I'm not mm-hmm. alone. I, I thought I was alone. <laughs> and no. I'm not the only one. And it's like, holy shit. This is, ama- this is amazing. You, you, if you go into life thinking like, I have to be pure. I will never taint myself. I will never collaborate. I will never open oh. up myself to other people. I am hot shit, and I'm going to get where I'm going entirely on my own. Well, it might not be as simple as you think. I think it's yeah. so important to have people um, in your life, to have, you know, just uh, whether or not it has to do with your, you know, your passions. But, 100%, but yeah. don't... Mm-hmm. Don't hide it all away. Don't don't not show it to anyone. It sucked writing for a year and feeling like no one saw it. But if I had been in a writing group, but gosh darn it, we could have all read each other's work, and that would have been all the difference. I you know it's not that I needed an agent, a manager to to read it. I needed somebody to read it, and and just to just to people want to know that they're being heard. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, uh, I think that I'm curious to know, cause like, you know, you've talked about these, these periods where you just felt so low and, Ooh, yeah. um, what, uh, what does creative block look like to you and how do you uh, break out of it? That's a really good question. I feel like I, I don't have a huge problem when it comes to getting motivated creatively. I would say the harder part is keeping kind of a schedule Mm, mm -hmm. so so let's like if i'm firing on all cylinders um i'll be able to write any time of day i've done late nights i've I've woken up early you know when there were deadlines um you know i'm a writing machine however if i'm in a situation where i'm unmotivated physically and emotionally where i don't want to crawl out of bed that's going to be worse for my my productivity than like say oh i can't think of what to write to to me it's it's like a complete sort of like i don't feel like it 
I'm not even waiting for inspiration to hit me. I'm kind of like, I'm just going to play video games all day Be- mm-hmm. because I can. So, so when you don't have structure, suddenly the bottom falls out, creating structure, saying, I write better in the mornings than the afternoons, so I'm going to just sit down between 9 to, to noon and, and write and just try to focus. And, you know, some days I write a couple pages. Maybe one day I'm just revising. It's not as much getting done, but you're pushing it forward a little bit day by day. I think the most important yeah. thing is just like when I did Pizza Day Comics, I, we stuck to a schedule. Um, and that yes, helps. That helps a lot. Um, writing on a schedule, even when there's not really a reason for it. The reason for it should be because I want to. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, web uh, comics are great you know, for that. I love web comics. Uh, I, 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 uh, I love. I wish we yeah. could keep doing Pizza Day comics. I still have like a ream of of ideas. Like if we could just go back, I have so many strip ideas. But it's uh, it's hard. We're both, you know, Zoe and I are both working right now. We have a lot of extracurriculars, and um, oh, you guys are busy. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, You're doing your own thing in other ways. So <laughs> it's funny. I'm working so hard because one day I tell myself I, there'll be less work, and I'm I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> That's uh, I'm drawing like Shaman King. I've been reading Shaman King and I'm drawing them right now. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it's funny because that's the main character's whole thing is it's like, I'm going to become basically God so mm-hmm. that I don't have to do any, anything anymore. And I think it's, it's re- I know <laughs> he lo- loves it too. Yeah. It's like, it's such a great attitude. And I feel like, I feel like <laughs> that is kind of what everyone's trying to aspire to because retirement, we, we, all, we all aspire towards retirement, which is, you know, you do whatever you want. And uh, mm-hmm. I find, I don't know, I think that's interesting. Yeah. I think uh, that's an interesting approach. Uh, we we actually got some good questions. Yeah. That we would love to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, from at K makes things. Hi, Jake. What advice would you give to other professionals who want to keep one foot in, the, in uh, live action mm-hmm. and one foot in the animated world? Is it practical to juggle both? Hey, K makes things. That's a really good question. Uh, but my first reaction would to be no it is not practical to juggle both not because mm-hmm. you couldn't do it but because somebody who looks at you and says what do you want to do live action yeah. or animation and you're like i am proficient and enjoy doing both people are going to get really like this person doesn't know what they want because people can't extrapolate if you have a lot of interests people think you're not good at them or <laughs> you're wishy-washy or you know it's sort of like this person is unfocused so unfortunately if you work in one field if you work in one field and have one special job and people know you're good at it you will be stuck doing that thing forever um yeah. and that's kind of frustrating to people who want to do other things but find security doing the thing that they're known for. So be careful. It's easy to get pigeonholed, um, especially between live action animation. Uh, people think you have to stay in one world or the other. However, due to pandemic, a lot of live action writers have suddenly realized they can also be animation writers. Yeah. And they've, they've been taking a lot of those jobs away. And um, it's kind Ugh. of, it's kind of funny mm-hmm. because the writers guild doesn't, <laughs> stick their neck out for any animation people mm-hmm. but suddenly they're very interested in how to write for animation <laughs> um yeah so 
I think the distinction is bullshit, but it does exist. It may be changing a little bit due to the landscape, but uh, just keep in mind, uh, when you are presenting yourself, you have to really narrow it down to the thing that you want them to see. Um, And sometimes that means leaving parts of yourself out, unfortunately. It doesn't make you... I, you know, I always thought if I talked about everything, they'd be super impressed. They are confused when you tell yeah. them everything. So just, just like for every job you apply to, be specific how, if you're going to bring up stuff, how that applies to the thing you're trying to do. And be very explicit. Do not let them guess. Just draw those conclusions for them. And use yes. the use the keywords that they put out on their you know like job board and like work that into your narrative. So it's not you're not lying about yourself. You're just you are just maneuvering your your narrative to fit what they're looking for. I like that you mentioned the words like the keywords that like the lingo. It mm-hmm. is very true. It's something that I it took me a really long time when I when people are like uh during interviews what do you like to do and i was like uh mm-hmm. i like to do storyboards and like it's not like specific enough and then i was right. like mm-hmm. oh i like heart and comedy and it's like it's like you know those are like words that are like yeah heart and comedy whatever but they're part of the lingo and it's like and it's like oh yes. this is really important it's like uh learning those keywords and like you you can like learn those by like reading a lot of like pitch bibles or like reading like a, a lot of like how people present uh, a show when like they like announce mm-hmm. it or whatever yeah that is it... yeah pitching is a really interesting art and uh all right uh gene i, th- I think you have uh something coming up about pitching don't you it, it's already happened by the time this came out but um yeah so, that's a I, bit of time travel right there yeah a little bit of time travel but yeah me and uh, pedro boli did a talk i guess about pitching and uh yeah, it is an art form, and I and it it's one that it's um, it's you know people say it, like takes ten thousand mm-hmm. hours to to get good at something or whatever to to master That's something, so and I think pitching is kind of in that. Yeah, it yeah. falls into that because you just have to do it. You just have to try it over and over. And I and I say that because pitching isn't just limited to I want to be a showrunner. Pitching mm-hmm. is something no. you do when you say I want a job and I'm pitching myself. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like the first step is. You have to believe you can do it. Yeah, confidence, number one. And then present Mm -hmm. examples in your life of when you did something similar to the job you're trying to get. And do it confidently. And and when they say, are you experienced in something? And Mm -hmm. in your head, you're like, no, I'm not. You can say, yes, I have some experience. And so, you know, like, do not try to be overly, like, like, um, I guess, like, don't try to be too real where you're like, I don't have enough experience because that's your anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you if you have some life experience, that's your experience. Use it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like I was saying, you're selling yourself and it's all about spin and how you reframe things. Um, because chances are, if you're applying to a job, you could do it and you do have the right experience and it's not always going to happen because again it depends on what the employer is looking for and you don't know that but you can you can put yourself into the best position possible by just taking what you have 
acquired the knowledge and whatever and like framing it in a way that <laughs> makes you look mm-hmm. makes you look great um i also want to talk really quickly there's a huge difference in the scheduling in live action versus animation oh yeah and mm. one big difference is in live action pre-production takes a long time but production is a short period whereas that's, in, that's true in animation production is the bulk of what uh, an animated mm. show goes through and there's not a lot of lead up into uh product like the pre-production uh and then, of course there's post-production in uh in both and i would say maybe about about the same but uh but definitely there's a bit of a flop there so mm-hmm. in live action historically and i say this because who knows what it's going to be like a minute from now but historically live action is based around upfronts and the idea of you know the you know it's not actually scratch that the tv schedules were always based around the idea that in the springtime there would be a presentation from the company selling the shows and the movies to the advertisers and that things would go into pre-production in fall and then go into production at the beginning of the year so that that thing could be advertised at the spring event and there you know things would go by that cycle so so there are there are schedules to when like shows are sold in the summer so that they can get a pilot made in the fall so they can go into production if they're greenlit in the winter and 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 that's changed a little bit but it may help you to know that because for instance you know internships that companies offer are based around those cycles you know, uh, summer, fall, winter, or writing competitions or other things like that um, happen at certain kinds of the year, not by accident, but because of the way that the industry has always kind of functioned. Um, So it's worth finding out how it works so that you're not just kind of sitting around and being like, well, when do the jobs happen? (laughs) Uh, Because there are cycles to it. And there are times where it's like you kind of do feel like you miss out on a big thing and uh that's not always true uh but just be aware there are like there are better periods than others end of the year things slow down and and die off always yeah uh we had a question from at gamer dude five zero 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 two anyway my question would be what advice would you give to others who also want to be writers in the animation industry and or artists would you recommend going to college and they're about to apply in the coming weeks since it's their senior year. Wow, that's a great question. I think I don't – I would not be where I am today if I hadn't gone to college. That said, I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't gone to college. That's not an open answer, yeah. but I yeah. will say, for me, I needed to go to school. I needed to get some information that I, I – may, maybe I could have gotten online or elsewhere. I don't think I could have made that argument to my parents. I think they wanted me to go to school, and I, I definitely, you know, I did it because I thought it was the, the right thing to do. So I got something out of college. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, I think that when you're in college, what you do, what you, what you um, major in is pretty important. Not because there's a piece of paper that says you're, you're intelligent, <laughs> yeah. but because... Right. because the world expects that you know what you want to be um, the moment you get out of school. Everything you do during school, you have a, a, a really great safety net. It's school. Like, if you, if you fail there, 
it's not real life. But once you're out of school and you're not sure what job you want, that's going to set you back a bit. Take time during college to learn what jobs are out there. There's no general animation job. In fact, most jobs have nothing to do with animation as an art. But people think all sorts of things, what a character designer does, what a storyboard artist does, they're completely wrong. Research those jobs and focus in areas, in addition to things that just interest you, because you need that to be a well-rounded person, but think about what job would I want to have when I get out and how can I prepare for that? It's not just that you went to school. Um, give yourself an advantage and uh, and really think about that. Nobody nobody told me uh-huh. like you had to be this or that. And I, I made a choice that I thought was right for me and I, I wish I had maybe um, thought about it more or just had the advantage the advice given to me that I'm trying to to give to you. So don't not go to college. Don't go to college because you think it's going to lead you somewhere. You have to make that decision and then you have to work towards that. Nothing is given to you. That's yeah. That's a really good way to put that. Um, What kind of goals do you have for the near future? Um, You know, uh, I I think my basic goal is to be able to support Zoe and myself financially Mm -hmm. if you know if i lived in obscurity my whole life but was able to you know keep keep a roof over our heads and food on our plate i would choose that in a heartbeat um unfortunately Mm -hmm. no such job exists so i will continue um trying to find you know new better paying work um Mm -hmm. you know because although my job is stable it is also kind of a dead end right now Mm -hmm. um a digital production assistant you could uh, conceivably stay in production and maybe move up as a PC, uh, production coordinator, or mm-hmm. a PM, production manager, uh, if you want to become a line producer, which is different from being a creative executive. So yeah. just keep that in mind. Production is uh, is about keeping all the gears running. It is not about making uh, creative choices. It's it's about keeping the, the machine running. You are interacting with every element of the team and if that appeals to you, like it does to me, uh, production's a cool place to be. But it is, <laughs> it is not like some people say a springboard into other jobs. It's actually yeah. that's wrong, uh, and I think it's horrible that people say that because uh, it makes it harder for people to get production jobs now. Because as soon as you say I'm an artist, they will ignore you mm-hmm. because they're like yeah, this they person don't. is not serious about production. So it's like. Well, that's bad advice um, because, yeah, I just like when I was a a writer's PA, I had to pretend I didn't want to be a writer. And they expect the same thing of production people. Newsflash, every single person in production is interested in the end product. Mm -hmm. They don't get to do the things necessarily they want to do. Some people maybe are born to be line producers, but uh, without naming names, a lot of them went to art school too. So you can get stuck there. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Yeah, yeah it, I think it's hard. Like, I, I would love, love to bring <laughs> you back, actually, for another episode at some point, because I think you there's stuff that we didn't even get into. I think they're just like the the work you're doing, the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the other sort of interests and hobbies that you have, because I think there's a lot there. And um, thank you. 
I'd love yeah, to come so we'll, back too. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back on. Um, but I think you did a great job of sort of talking about the the struggle and the process of just getting to the point where you've broken in. I think that's something that we love to hear and it's an interesting perspective. Yeah. So that's a good uh, foundation episode for the story of Jake Strick. <laughs> the, and, uh, uh, still ongoing, by the way. Still ongoing, yeah. Yeah, all our stories are ongoing until we're dead in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. That was, a, that was, a, that was really helpful, I think. I Th- think people yeah. will get a lot out of that. Thank you, and I, I hope it, I hope it yeah. helps uh, people, you know, you know, uh, there's there's a lot that you don't see coming, and uh, there's a lot you have to learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. I uh, agree. In life, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I'm I'm it's really glad to get to get to share my or part of my story. Anything you want to plug while you're on here? Oh yeah, I definitely want to plug. <laughs> oh shit, who's Which, that? Oh, uh, just about the coolest hyperpunks you've ever heard of. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I hear there's a guy in the band, Jake Easy, synth player. Yeah. Totally the man. Oh yeah, he's a Chad. He's uh, <laughs> and... a fucking Chad. Uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 part of a band with Gene. Gene, thank you for for having me in Cubom. It's been it's been so much fun just to you know, again, I love music, but I love you know playing in a group because mm-hmm. uh, we, we not just with an audience, but just with each other. It's been a just like a lifelong ambition i didn't realize how awesome it would be uh to be in a band and holy hell uh we are a pretty cool band so uh we're pretty cool yeah so check uh, out check us out on the streaming services by the time this comes out we'll have played our first show of the year but we're gonna play some more hopefully as the oh, year yeah. goes on and and beyond yeah. so uh q bomb or q bomb band on all social media sites hell yeah and that's like the letter q not q anon Yes. God, God no. Um, well, that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Jake for being our guest and sharing his story. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Creative Block, Creative Without the Vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask your guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clemens for editing the podcast. And hey, we have a Patreon now. So uh, go check the link in the description. And if you want to support us, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, and subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Gene. And that was B. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.